This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Well, good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. And for those of you online, I want to say good morning to you and welcome. Thanks for letting us join you where you are. And I've got to say, give it up to my peeps, youth ministry. What's up? Yeah. Give it in the house. Yes. Can we just give it up for our youth? They're just amazing. I love what they're doing, what God's doing. It is good to have them in the house, holding it down. It's cool. So it's just good to be here with you. If I haven't met you yet, just one of the teaching pastors here, and uh, it's good to be with you. I'm wondering, have you guys uh, had any spiritual conversations as of late? Any that you happen to have? And, and but before, let me just kind of put a caveat. I'm not asking, like, have you given somebody the four spiritual laws and led them to Jesus? I'm not asking all of that. I'm just asking, have you had any spiritual conversations lately? Um, and if so, how did they go? Because I know that I've had some, and they have been quite interesting as, in, as the days continue to pass on. Uh, one of them that we had recently is one where um, I was in a car with a, with a couple of guys, and we went up to one of the ferry booths, and as we went to pay, um, one of the guys in the back rolled down his window and, and said to the lady, hey, so I, I noticed you have this uh, little amulet on your, your necklace. And she said, yeah. And he said, so what, what's that about? And she said, well, yeah, it's, it's a way to kind of to get my energy. You know, I, I just, I, the sun hasn't been out as much, and so this is how I collect my energy, and my energy gives me that so I can kind of make it throughout the day. And um, I thought, that's different. I mean, I've been in a hole, but that's different, but okay. And, and then he, he continues on, or she continues on, and she says, you know, uh, yeah, you know, um, with all the COVID stuff going on, and my, my medical professional wanted me to, to get the shot, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to have it, have it and, and now we're getting in the COVID conversation, and I'm thinking like, this it's kind of odd to be having right here. I'm just trying to pay to get on the ferry, but okay, that, this, it's feeling kind of awkward. And, and then um, my, my buddy, who just always likes to stir the pot a little bit, he, he just says, uh, well, yeah, you know, um, I am one of those medical professionals. I thought, did you have to say that? And fortunately, the guy right in front of me who was driving the car just drove away. Just like this conversation, it just needs to end. And so we head out. You know, another conversation we had recently, I mean, I had recently as I was with um, somebody, I'm just asking, so how's it going? Like, what's, how's life treating you? And said, she said, yeah, it's going so much better. It's going, going great. And I go, oh, tell me about that. That's cool. She says, yeah. So, you know, I've been talking with somebody and they've been helping me and I've just been being able to have so much more energy. They've been teaching me how to pull the energy down into myself. And she does this. And I'm thinking, oh, like we're doing this. Like we're having this conversation. And what was really odd about it was that um, I, I knew that she professed to be a believer in Christ. So I'm thinking, is, 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 that, okay? is that how this goes? I, I don't, okay, we're going to do this now. Okay, I guess that's how this works. And so, so maybe, maybe your spiritual conversations haven't been like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but, but likely we, we might find ourselves in those kind of conversations where we're talking about spiritual stuff. And as the missionary said just a little bit ago, it's true that spirituality is something that people are still all about. I mean, people are having spiritual conversations, thinking about spirituality all the time. Even in a world, at least in our Western world, where it seems like the idea of spirituality is dying. And it's, I just want to let you know it's not. What's starting to die more and more is the whole concept of religion. Religion, I mean, even to say the word religion, it kind of has this like 
ooh, it kind of grates when you hear it because we know that with religion, there's so many things that have been done horribly in the name of religion that people have kind of given up on religion, but they still embrace this whole idea of spirituality. And they're all about this idea of spirituality, really, whatever spirituality means. I mean, really, it's sort of a catch-all term for anything that allows for worshiping all kinds of false gods, whether it's sexuality, whether it's money or power. It's sort of a catch-all phrase to catch anything that we can say is spiritual. And then you add to that in the world that we live in right now, there's this resurgence of this concept of something called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, that's like a $40 Bible word that you can use. You can try that one out on your friends sometimes. Gnosticism. Um, it, It just simply means having a special knowledge. And that's starting to come up more and more in the way that we live nowadays. And and it doesn't look the same way that it used to because it used to mean like you need to have this special knowledge. The gospel wasn't enough. You had to have this special mystical knowledge in order to, to really be spiritual. But this is continuing more and more to play out today. And then what it ends up looking like in our world is it ends up looking like um, many of the different ways that we talk about it. Like we have to find our authentic self. That's a phrase we hear quite often. There's this need to kind of find that, that deep within, whatever that might be. Or it might turn out to be, come out in a way where we talk about it in the terms of victimhood. The idea that you have to you get special access to some special knowledge simply by living in one of these uh, victim classes that sit around us. If I can identify with the victim class, I now know something that I didn't know before. You see, it's not out there, Gnosticism, in the ways that it used to be what was right in front of us. It just kind of slips in in the subtle ways, like in the movies that we watch. Have you noticed how many movies exist nowadays about coming to find oneself? Well, what about the social media that we find ourselves in? Where we take a version of ourself, one that we make up, and then we put it out there and we say, like, this is who I am. This is what I want you to see when deep down we know that something is off within us. There's this whole different way of being. People are longing for, to connect with transcendence, with something beyond themselves, but they, we're not quite sure how to get there. And that's why we're in this series called Rerouting. Because we recognize that there's a way in which people start to head down a road, start to head in a certain direction, but we might be missing the way to get to the truest things that we long for inside of our hearts. We have impulses, we have desires that sit within us that that are just deeply ingrained within us. And the reality is we can move in a direction not even recognizing that we might be moving in a way that will never truly satisfy And so we talked about that in the realm of justice, and Tom talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And we talked last week about this impulse within us that that we, we know we're supposed to be loving people. We know that love is so central to who we are. And so today we pick up the conversation by looking at this, this thing that sits within us called spirituality. There's something spiritual about us. And if we don't have this conversation, if we don't step into this, and I do call it a conversation because what I believe is that I'm starting something today that you will continue on, particularly if you're in one of our different uh, discipleship groups, one of our rerouting groups, the conversation will continue. And so the conversation that we need to have today is so important because if we don't, we'll end up going in a direction we never intended. And and I would say it's not intentional. It's sort of gradual. Um, It's kind of like what happens to me, and then you can probably resonate with this. Um, 
my, my oldest son, unfortunately, uh, he gets to be the guinea pig for many of my backpacking adventures. Uh, Ethan, I'm sorry for that, but that's just kind of the way that it goes. And so what happens is I find a spot that I haven't been backpacking before or haven't gone by myself with, and I go like, let's go check out that spot, buddy. And uh, he's always game. And so um, I found the spot, and we decided we're going to head there. And so we were going to go to the Olympic Mountains. And in order to get to, to, to the Olympic Mountains and the access, we had to go through Squim. And if you don't know how to get the Squim from here, you basically head left across the bridge. You get on North 101, and you head up north. And then you start to drop down into to the mountain range area. And so that's what I did. And so as I'm getting to the mountain range area, I'm starting to get to where there's the service roads, um, I stopped to take a look at, the, at the, the day hike guidebook because it has the directions in it. Can I tell you, don't follow the directions of the day hike guidebook. <laughs> I'm looking at the directions and I started to head down the road that it says I'm supposed to go down. And I start to head down and we're going down. I'm thinking, well, this kind of looks familiar. I mean, there's trees. So we're heading down this road, and I tell you, I kid you not, we are traveling for like an hour down this road, and it gets to a spot, like, I'm like, I, I think this might be it, bud, I'm not quite sure, but we're just going to go a little bit further down the road. I, we're not quite lost yet, so let's just keep going a little further. Well, we get to a spot where as we're driving long enough, I don't know what road we're on at this point, but I do recognize that we've come to a trailhead that's called Mount Zion, and when I got to that spot... <laughs> Here's the deal. I've hiked, to Mount, I've hiked Mount Zion before, and the way that I usually go to get to Mount Zion is cross the bridge, you get to 101, and you head south. Not north, you head south. And as you go south, then you head up towards Mount Zion. That's how deep in we were on this thing. I was like, we should probably turn around. <laughs> and so we did, and we backtracked, and we finally made our way there. But isn't that the way that it works? You see, there's a, a desire to move towards things that are spiritual. There's a desire for us to have these impulses and to live them out, but we can slowly, gradually go down a road that we didn't intend to go down, and we end up at a destination we never intended to be at. When God has a different design, a different place that we're supposed to go, that we need to be on the lookout for the exit, for the road, for the route that will lead us towards Him. And for us to do that today, as we step into this realm of spirituality and talking about that, we kind of, we not kind of, we need to take this Western mindset that we have as we look at the scriptures, take it off and put it aside and put on the mindset of a first century Jewish person. If we're going to understand what spirituality, true spirituality, biblical spirituality is all about. Because when we do, we start to recognize things that they have perspectives that we don't. You see, unlike us, they had a fuller understanding of God's endgame. You see, this whole thing that we're living in is headed in a certain direction. It's moving towards something. There's an endgame that God has in store for us. God's endgame is not to annihilate us at the end of all time. It's not to make us one with the earth, as flowery as that sounds. It's not to reincarnate us, as good as that might be, I guess. And contrary to popular Christian belief, it's not that we're going to, when we die, that the end of all of this is that we get a nice little harp with some wings and we sit on a cloud and kind of float and just play that for the rest of eternity. That's not the way that this thing ends. No, what God reveals in Scripture is at the end of all things, there will be a new heavens and a new earth, and they will come together as one, and God will dwell with us and we will dwell with Him. That's where this whole thing is moving towards. 
That's God's desire and design for us. And that is the thing that beats inside of us, the heartbeat, this something, this impulse that he's placed inside of us to long for as well. And recognizing that we're not there yet, what God does is he creates spaces in which heaven and earth start to collide here and now. And so we see that. Even as we open up our scriptures, we see a moment of that in the Garden of Eden. Eden is one of those places where heaven meets earth. It's a moment in which these two start to come together. And it's in this space that God meets with his people. It's in this space that on earth, God walks with Adam in the cool of the day. God wants to be with his people. Later on, we see this take place when God gets a people and he collects them together. And he says, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle because I want to meet with you face to face. And so we see it take place when he builds the tabernacle. God comes in and it says that Moses came and met with God face to face in the tabernacle. Heaven was breaking through and meeting earth. We see it later on when Solomon builds a temple. And it's so wonderful when Solomon builds a temple and he prays over. And what we see, it says, the glory of the Lord fills the temple. God himself fills the temple. And in a moment, in this temple, heaven and earth collide. And it's in this temple where God's presence can be fully met. It's in that space. One day... It will all be together. But here and now, there's moments in which we get glimpses of it. God kept establishing places where people could meet with the divine. The Hebrew people understood that. That's the way that they understood the world. That's the way they understood the temple. But that isn't the only thing that they understood. You see, they also understood that God had a, 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 fully, had a fuller understanding that God desired to connect to our inner world as well. It wasn't just this external thing to go to the temple, but God wanted to do something within the people as well. They understood that God desired to work within their inner world, and they did this through something called the Torah. The Torah. Again, that's one of those words you may not hear too often, but it it has to do with the Bible. And the Torah is simply all the laws and rules and regulations, the ways in which God had given the people to relate with him. It's given in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Now, when this Torah was given, it was intended to live out and be a certain way. I love the way that Psalm 19 talks about this. It talks about the Torah in such a way that it said it likens it to the sun, and the way that the sun shines down and, and it starts to bring life and light into everything that it touches, that was the idea of what the Torah was meant to do inside the people of God. It would bring life to them. It would bring light to the areas of their life that aren't honoring, honoring God. It would bring light to the areas in which they can continue to follow God. There was a sense that it would enliven them. And that's what the Torah was meant to do, to live inside of them. But somehow, as the stories tend to go, This God who had given them this relationship and a way to relate with them, this story that was meant to be a story, somehow turned into a list of rules, a list of laws, a list of regulations, a list of things to do and to not do. All of a sudden, this spiritual dynamic, this relationship that was meant to be had turned into, well, a religion. And of course, The people that were trying to do these things, they couldn't keep up with all the rules and all the laws and all the regulations, and so they gave up on it. 
I wonder how often it is for us today that that's what Christianity has turned into for us. A bunch of rules of things to do and not do. Boxes that we can check and say, good, I did that. Boxes we can check to say, good, I didn't do that. That must mean that I'm spiritual, that I'm holy. And when God turns into that, when Christianity turns into that, when religion turns into that, is it any question why people turn away from the faith? Is it any question why people are moving away in droves from saying, if that's what spirituality is in the Christian realm, I don't want any part of that. But that's not what God intended. That's not his design, and he wasn't going to have it stay that way. In fact, there was a moment in, in the Israelite history where they found themselves being separated from the very place, that temple, the place where heaven met earth. They found themselves in captivity. Some of our students that went to snow blast, you know what I'm talking about, right? Any of you? Okay. All right. It's like, were you asleep the whole time y'all was speaking? Maybe some, I know some of you were, but that's all right. But some of you are with me. And as they were there, as these people were in captivity, they were longing to get back to the place where they knew that they could meet with God. And in the midst of that, there was a prophet couple of prophets that spoke into that moment. Now imagine just being away from the place that you knew. This is how we meet with God. That's the place, the temple in Jerusalem, and we can't even access it. And in the midst of that, Ezekiel writes these words. This is God speaking. He says, and I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. That sound familiar, guys? All right. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. Jeremiah said it in this way, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Do you know that that's God's heart? That's his desire? That's where all of this is headed. This is what he longs for, is that he would be humanity's God and that humanity would be his people. That's what he longs for. N.T. Wright says this. He says, temple and Torah. These are the two focal points of ancient Jewish spirituality. The point is that the people would experience the fullness of humanity as they had a close relationship with God. Physically through the temple and in their inner life through the Torah. This is what the Bible presents as true spirituality, and this is what people deeply want, but sadly, often fail to attain. That's what people are longing for, a spirituality that is robust and alive. But it wasn't happening. But God was not going to give up on his promise. He said, I am going to do this, even if it means I have to be the one to make this happen my very self. And the scriptures let us know that's exactly what he did. John bears this out. The book of John says that he did it by coming to us and living within our midst. It's like, if it's not, not going to happen in the ways that I've given you, I've given you a temple, I've given you the Torah, if that's not what's happened, if that's not going to work, I'm going to come. And he does. John opens up in the very first chapter, and he says these words, so the word speaking of God, became human and made his home among us. 
He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. There's that word glory again. The glory filled the temple. And yet once again, when Jesus came, the word of God came. But we see his glory and acted in that moment. And Jesus makes it known in a moment in the next chapter. When Jesus he completely rearranges the idea of what it means the temp- to be a temple. No longer was it going to be a building, but it was going to be a person. And so Jesus, he walks into the temple that existed, and as he is, he's turning over the tables, and he's getting rid of the money changers and the extortionists. And as he is, the people are going, who do you think you are? And what authority do you have to come in here and start doing all this stuff? We want a sign if you really are who you say you are. And Jesus says, and I love it, and he says, all right, you want a sign? Here's your sign. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It's taken us 46 years, Jesus, to build this temple, and you say that you can rebuild it in three days? But when Jesus said this temple, you know what he was talking about? Scripture lets us know this. It says that he actually meant his own body. Jesus completely rerouted the way to the temple. You see, God was still drawing near to his people, but instead of meeting them inside of a temple, he became the temple himself. And all of a sudden, the image changes. It's no longer just a temple in which heaven and earth meet, Jesus became the temple in which heaven and earth met. And that's why everywhere where Jesus walked, he could say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wherever Jesus walked, the kingdom of heaven was breaking through because heaven was sitting inside of him. Wherever he walked, it was breaking through. N.T. Wright says this, in Jesus, we have the long-promised personal, personal presence of Israel's God. And as we draw near to this temple, he fundamentally changes our identity. When we say, oh, you're the temple, I'm coming to you. The way the Israelites used to come to the temple, I'm coming to you who is the temple. When we do, when we enter in, what starts to happen is he starts to change our complete identity. We become a new kind of person. John says this, he says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. A whole new identity. When we come to him, they are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. When we draw near to him, we are reborn, we're made new, we're given a new identity, a fresh start, a new perspective on life and a new perspective on ourselves. And how does this happen? Well, as we enter in, As we move towards Jesus and we enter in, what ends up taking place is that he changes our inner world. Not by making us follow a bunch of rules and regulations, not as if we need to follow a bunch of laws, but instead what he does is he places his spirit within us. And he says, you're not going to be a people who follow a bunch of laws. You're going to be a people who are guided and led by the spirit that I place inside of you. 
That's how this whole thing works. I don't know if you remember this, so I wanted to give it to you again. Do you remember what God said he was going to do? They were in exile. Do you remember what he said he was going to do? He says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. Yeah, I know you're not following. I know you can't do it. I know you can't keep up with all the laws. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put it in you. And I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You see, folks, the temple is fulfilled in Jesus, and the Torah is fulfilled in the Holy Spirit. God's work is working on the outside. He's working on the inside. And when he does that, and when we enter into that, we cannot remain the same. Something changes within us. It causes us not only to respond to him, but to live differently. And Jesus bears this out as he's talking with the people. There's a moment in which he he gets together. It's in John chapter 7. It says, on the last day, on the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds. He said, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. John lets us know, he says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. See, if you were of a Hebrew mindset and you heard those words being spoken, rivers of living water, that would mean something to you if you heard him say that you would naturally start to hearken back to what Ezekiel said. It was in chapter 47, in which he gives the image of rivers of living water flowing from the temple of God, from the place in which heaven and earth met. There would be rivers that start to flow out of that, and it would flow down, all the way down to the Dead Sea, the place where nothing lived inside of, so it seemed. You see, there's something that Jesus is saying in this moment in which when we come to him and we go into the temple, rivers of living water start to flow out of us into a places where death seems to rule and reign. He was speaking that over those people and we get to receive that if we're choosing to step into it. Do you know who you are as a follower of Christ? Do you know the spirituality that sits inside of you if you say yes to Jesus? All who come to him will be quenched. And then they, you, I, get to be carriers of life who can quench others. This isn't just for us. It's meant to be poured out. We're meant to be a conduit. You see, we do that with every prayer that we pray for people. We do that every moment we stop to really listen to others. We do that every moment we share about how God has changed us from the inside out. We do that every time we give to those who are lacking in Jesus' name. We do that with every invitation we make to invite people to follow Jesus. And we do it with every opportunity we can take to share about and give the opportunity and call people to receive the Spirit of God in their lives. We have the ability to have the Spirit of God flow in and through us. In essence, if we were to look at it from a pictorial standpoint, it ends up looking like this. Heaven and earth, you and I as the body of Christ, 
Everywhere you go, heaven has an opportunity to break through. Do you know that about yourself? This was never meant to just be for you to hold for you alone. That as we're changed from the inside out, we're called to go wherever we go, we get to say the very same words. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's not because of anything that we have special about us except for Christ in you. We get to live as those kinds of people. I wonder what other spirituality or what other religion can truly compare to that. You see, this is a spiritual life that people are really looking for. You see, you can't really find your authentic self outside of God. In fact, you don't even need to find your authentic self. What you need to find is you need to find Jesus. And then you let him define who you are. That's how this works. You can thank you. Yeah. You can never truly be at peace without God. You can never do life well enough without God. God is the beginning. He is the source of life. He is the beginning. He's the end. He's the one who is all-powerful. At the same time, he is the one who draws so close and intimate that he comes to live inside of you. That's the God that we serve. N.T. Wright says it this way. What Jesus offers in the gospel is the true refreshing water of life. Those who taste it know that whatever they have been using up till now to quench their thirst, including their Gnostic tendencies to seek answers inside themselves, is at best, it's not working. And at worst, it's poisonous. The life that Christ gives us is something so profound it's something that this world is so desperately looking for, so, is so longing for. It's this God that we're called into intimacy with. It's this God that we allow to flow through us, but not just for ourselves, but for a world that so desperately needs it. That's what it means to be spiritual, to be truly spiritual, to not just wander down the road that everybody else tends to wander down because that's just kind of the way that life is going, but to be on the lookout for this new way of moving, to reroute and head towards what God has in store for us. That's what we're meant to be as a people, and that's what we get to invite others to. And so I'm going to invite you. Would you stand with me this morning? We're just going to take an opportunity to pray. Because my hunch is some of us are finding ourselves in those places. Places where you didn't mean to get off the road, but you have. Some of us the only version of God you've ever heard of is doing a bunch of do's and don'ts. And that's why you just happen to be tuning in this one time. That's why you happen to show up today. And you might be on that last spot where you're going, I'm, I'm done with God. And yet you're hearing that this is what he's about. He wants that kind of relationship with you. Yeah, he does. He does. Some of us have been caught up and just checking the boxes. God wants so much more for your life than that. There's so many people in your world that as you walk with the reality of him within you, you have an opportunity to impact. Let's, let's live that way. Let's walk with that reality. Allow me to pray for us. Heavenly Father, oh, we thank you that you have something so much more in store for us. 
You have dreams, you have desires, you have passions and plans, and this is all moving towards something, towards a day in which heaven and earth, you will bring a new heavens and a new earth. You will get to be our God fully, and we get to be your people without anything between us. And yet, until we wait for that, as we wait for that day, God, we recognize that you continue to give glimpses of yourself. You have ways in which we have an opportunity to meet with you. And so I pray for anyone that's online or in this place right now who's in a spot where they say, you know, I've never really given my heart to Jesus. I've just been in a spot where I've just been following a bunch of rules and it's never really turned into anything. I've been in a spot where I've been trying to find my authentic self and it hasn't led to anything good. I've been trying to just figure out whatever spirituality comes my way. I've been living in all those ways. But, but, but Jesus, that's what he's about. Yeah, I want in this morning. And if that's you and if that's your heart, I just invite you to this prayer. It's so simple. It's the beginning. It's not the end of the prayer. But it's just to simply say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. I invite you to fill me here and now. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for my friends this morning who have turned a vibrant spiritual possibility into a list of rules to do. We didn't mean to, but we just found ourselves walking down the road, driving down the road. And it's in this moment that we're hearing you call us to a rerouting, to stop, to turn, and to go right back down the road that you have in store for us. We say yes to that this morning. Lord, I pray for those of us in this place who simply have not walked with the reality of the kingdom living inside of us, and you're awakening us to that fresh and anew once again, to all the opportunities that sit in front of us. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people that takes full advantage of being rivers of living water to the people that we come in contact with for your kingdom's sake. God, help us online and in this place to live that way regardless of whatever comes our path that we will be found living that way, not just now, but in the weeks to come as well, as a lifestyle, we pray. Remind us of who we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's worship together, shall we?